Welcome back to the NBA Recap Show on the Mojo Sports Network. We're a panel of NBA quote-unquote experts who chat weekly about the most interesting developing stories, stats, and trends in basketball. Our starting point guard, we've got the main man from Shepard and dishing up dimes, Jack Brophy from Sports Confidential. At the two spot, the man from Melbourne, our fantasy team fanatic, Julian Balthazar. At the other two spot, we got Perth's mini basketball encyclopedia, the all-knowing Yuri Bilsic. And our third shooter guard, I once said he looked like Jamal Murray, he's a prolific writer and a Celtics homer, it's Mr. Tom Dev out of Melbourne. And me, I'm the only big on the roster, but these guys make it oh so easy for me. Your host and Queensland's own, Alexander J from the 5-Minute Sports Show, B-Ball Bites. Sit back and enjoy today's show, and don't forget to rate our podcast wherever you're listening. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Holy free agency NBA show, day one. I can barely get my words out because there's been some monster contracts go out in the last six hours. Um, I've got with me Yuri and Tom here today. No, Jules, he's taken a couple of weeks off the show and we're recording Saturday at 2 p.m. So that's Jack's commentating day. Tom, Yuri, hello, first of all. Two, um, so free agency opened up like six hours ago. And I don't know if you're like me, I've just been refreshing NBA Reddit and Twitter, like F5, F5, F5 to see what's been coming up. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you. How are you, mate? Yes, no, I'm back. I, I tested the free agency markets, but couldn't find a better podcast. So I'm back with you guys for, for a three-year contract. Not as, not as lucrative as, uh, as Fred Van Vliet, but I am back. The biannual exception will give you a couple of mil every year. Yuri, how are you, mate? Great, Alex. And man, just those bonanza of signings. Now, I can't believe how many signings have happened within this period. It's just unbelievable. So I can't wait to just chat all of it down and dissect it on some of the teams that have made probably the right moves and others that maybe so. Yeah, so this show, um, it's like six hours into free agency. So there's going to be news that makes us outdated pretty quickly. I've got my eye on Reddit and I'll still uh, hit refresh every now and then. But there's been about 40 player signings already. Um, eight or so of them above $100 million. And we'll start with those and work our way down to whatever interests us at like the $4 million mark. The biggest contract offered today, Jeremy Grant re-signs with the Portland Trailblazers. Five years, $160 million. Um, Jeremy Gant, good player. Portland Trailblazers, maybe not a good team. Um, where does this leave the Blazers? Because I am so confused as what they're doing. It looks like they're just re-upping and going all in again for Dame. Um, Tom, we'll start with you and then you're your opinion. Yeah, I, I don't think Portland actually do know what they're doing. It, it kind of feels <laughs> kind of feels like they've sort of they've sort of tag teamed uh their off-season plans and they've got two guys, you know, rotating what they actually want to do because they held the pick, which was signs of a rebuild. You know, they took they took Scoot instead of trying to trade to get a, a good player in to help Dame. So you kind of went, okay, Dame's on the trading block. But then they've offered Grant this contract. So it's kind of like, oh, are they keeping Dame now? And like, I just don't think they want to know what they're doing because five years, $160 million, $32 million a year on average. He's 29 years old. I mean, the only average 20.5 points per game. Only. 2.4 assists. 20 oh. points a game. <laughs> For a secondary option for 160 million, you'd be hoping for a little bit more than uh, 20.5 points per game. Um, and I mean, 47% from the field, 40% from three. Like, that's nice numbers. But I mean, is Jeremy Grant going to be your second option on a championship team? No. Is he going to be your second option on a playoff team? I mean, he clearly wasn't last year. Um, I, I don't like this deal whatsoever. And it's not even really that much of a tradable asset because five years is a long contract. It, it kind of feels a bit like Tobias Harris's last deal where it's just large for not a lot of production. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I think this is the worst deal that's gone out and 
I mean, there's a few that are others that are close, but I think this one takes the cake for me. Yuri, um, your thoughts? I don't hate the number, but I hate it for Portland. Yeah, it's a pickly one, isn't it, Alex and Tom? And I think when you look at the deal that Grant has now signed, what strikes me most is we go back to like 2016, the free agency summer where there were so many bad contracts when now you look in hindsight that would dished out. I think Timofey Moskov got a four-year, $64 million deal to join the Lakers and Joachim Noel signed that four-year, $72 million deal to join the New York Knicks and just a plethora of other horrible sign re-signings. I think Alan Crabb got like four years, $75 million to stay with Portland. And again, where is, as Tom pointed out perfectly, the direction of the Portland Trailblazers? Because I think we spoke about that three-on-three opinion piece that we had to construct on Damian Lillard and whether he should request a trade from Portland or not. There's only been, I'd say, two rosters that Portland have built well around Damian Lillard under Neil O'Shea's tenure. That was 2013 to about 2015 before four of their five starters, excluding Lillard, were all sent packing to other teams. And in 2018-19, when they made the conference finals for the first time since 2000, when they had Lillard surrounded by, of course, his backcourt mate, CJ McCullum, and two, I'd say, outstanding perimeter defenders in Al-Faruq Aminu and Mo Harkless. But aside from that, though, they haven't constructed a roster that is good enough to build around Lillard. And now with Grant signing, yes, he's had those excellent, well, he's had excellent steady progression over the course of his career from being a role player and finding his feet at OKC when I think Coach Billy Donovan trusted him more responsibility late in games when they benched Carmelo. And then, of course, that one season, Denver 2019-20, when he was a very solid six-man contributor and then eventually got the bag that he wanted to head across to the Detroit Pistons and played extremely well for a side that was essentially rebuilding anyway. And now with Portland, we, I'd have to say that was his career best season, Alex. What, average 20.5 points per mm-hmm. game. And his perimeter defense has always been a strength of his, but that offensive arsenal, which he's added as the seasons have gone by, has held him in as a very valuable commodity. But I think to this extent, though, it is a questionable length on the contract extension. That's just Five my years. opinion on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we're all fairly negative on the contract. Jeremy Grant, good player. I think he did okay with Portland last year, but it just it is very confusing for this franchise and Portland fans probably are going, what the hell are we doing? Uh, I think their hope is Scoot Henderson, the number three pick last week, um, really blossoms and maybe can contribute 15 points or, or something quickly so that 20 points a game from Jeremy Grant is is helpful. Any further thoughts? That's the biggest contract we've seen go out today. Any further thoughts, guys? I, did, I think the other part as well, Alex, is what did Portland actually look to do in this rest of this free agency? Because it's just conundrum after conundrum and – you can't really pick exactly the direction that they want to head into. And I think it's just uh, it's just too many questions than answers, sadly, at this point. Again, it is day one. You might be listening to this tomorrow and things have changed, but as it stands now, yikes. All right, moving on. Fred Van Vliet, Steady Freddy, is leaving Toronto. He has signed a three-year, $130 million deal with the Houston Rockets. Um, as our resident Raptors guy, um, 
I'm a little sad about this, but I wouldn't want the Raptors to offer him 130. Um, Fred, really team leader, but shot less than 40% from inside the arc last year. Um, he's a career 40% shooter from the floor. 34% he shot last year from three, which is pretty brutal. Um, smaller point guards tend to age pretty terribly. He's six foot one and he is, how old is he? 29 and a half. Congrats on Fred to get in the bag. Um, some of you might be going, why do the Rockets offer him this much money? The new CBA, they have to spend 90% of their uh, salary. So they have to spend about $120 million before day one of the season. That's a change that started this year. It used to be by the end of the season, you had to spend your money. Um, so the Rockets have to spend money. Three years for 130, I don't hate for the Rockets. He's a, a probably a good floor setter, culture leader for those young guys in Houston. Tom, we'll start with you again. 19 points a game last year in Toronto. Yeah, so I, I sort of broke down a few of these contracts into three categories, like, you know, the ones I like, the ones I dislike, and the ones I'm not sure about. And this one was sort of in that I'm not sure about category. Because, look, it's a lot of money. He's going to average $42.8 million a year over this three-year contract. He's never made All-NBA. You know, last season, 19 points per game, 7.2 assists per game. And he's, look, he's, he's 28, I think about to be 29. Um, and, look, he, they're not going to be competing for a title during this contract unless unless all of a sudden you know, the Thompson twin and Whitmore and Jabari and Green just suddenly become elite players overnight. Um, so I don't love it for the money. But then on the other hand, I mean, he's going to be a leader. It's going to be the first time this Houston core has had a leader in the room. Uh, and look, he can help mentor all those young guys I just mentioned without sort of taking the limelight away from them because he's going to be a point guard first kind of guy and he's probably look to score secondary unless he gets a bit fed up with how the uh, other players go and then he might look to take over. But I just don't see that from Van Vliet. And look, I feel like he could be a bit like how Jalen Brunson was this year. I don't think his contract will age as well as Brunson's. Um, although, who knows, with the cap spike mm. that's, you know, anticipated. Because, you know, I looked at Brunson's contract this time last year and went, that's nuts to pay, for him, pay that for him. And now it's one of the best. You'd have to argue it's probably a top 10 contract in the league. So who knows? But I, I feel like Van Vliet finally brings some maturity to this Rockets. And it kind of feels like last couple of years they were just drifting, didn't have that leader in the, in the group. And now they do. So let's see what he does. Yuri, thoughts? Yeah, the whole backcourt situation is going to be, I think, a bit of a pickly one too because, of course, with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and they add one to Thompson Twins as well, where do they exactly go in this whole pecking order? Because there's no way Van Fleet will be coming off the bench. That is first things first. But then the other part is as well within Ime Doku, who's going to bring that defensive-laden mindset within the team as well. And that's the other part, especially in the Western Conference, where, of course, you have some of the speedy point guards when Jar does return back from his imposed suspension and just a plethora of other outstanding point guards, Steph Curry included. It's almost as though his size advantage is probably going to be a disadvantage anyway, and that's where I probably do get a little bit concerned, and especially with a rocket side, which did shoot the ball so poorly as well during the regular season, not only from the field, but from three-point territory. I think that's a, the real question marks, I think, with the side. Yeah, look, let's not disrespect him. The Raptors don't win a championship in 2019 without Fred Van Vliet, so you never know he could be uh, world-changing in Houston. The third biggest contract offered today was Kyrie Irving, uh, re-signed with the Dallas Mavericks, three years, $126 million. My only note for this contract is yikes. 
Um, Tom, uh, if you're anything like me, you listen to a lot of the Bill Simmons, Yuri, I know as well. Uh, and it came up in the last couple of days that Kyle, uh, Kyrie, excuse me, had uh, proposed a meeting with the Phoenix Suns. And I think Bill was right on the money saying that's just a leverage play because nobody out there is going to offer him $126 million over three years. Hence the yikes. Tom, um, <laughs> where do you even start with Dallas? This is... Oof. Yeah, I mean, we've covered Kyrie. Well, I specifically have covered him for the last couple of episodes, just rolling my eyes at him. $126 million over three years for, for Kyrie. When it, one, it didn't even look good with him and Luca. You know, it, it's kind of like trialing a, a streaming service or something, not liking any of the content, but then signing up for the contract anyway. It's like, why would you do that? Like, I, I just don't think it worked. Uh, you know, $42 million a year on average. He hasn't had a good playoff series since 2016. He's injury prone. He brings so many off-court issues. You don't even need to look at his stats to just know that the last few years, Kyrie has just been a problem on and off the court. And uh, in my notes here, I've just got, Luke is probably going to leave. I, like, <laughs> I, I can't. I just, unless Kyrie turns it around, I, I just, one, I don't think these two play well together because they both need the ball. And I mean, Luca wants to dominate the ball kind of like what prime James Harden was. So is, is Kyrie really going to be that handy off-ball? No. Are they really going to do your turn, my turn offense? I mean, that hasn't won anyone a championship ever. So I just, I don't think that's going to work out. And then, you know, when in a couple of years time and they go, well, we've got Curry on an expiring deal and they can't get any good assets for him. And Luke is in his prime playing with a bunch of average role players yet again. I don't think he's going to go, oh yeah, let's opt into my player option and stay here or oh, let's not request a trade. I think he's going to go, I'm out. I, I want to go somewhere in my prime. And uh, yeah, look, when they trade all these assets for Kyrie, you kind of had to do it. But uh, I'm not this number. And he had nowhere to go. He had no, I, like, I don't really feel like he had any leverage because there was no one had cap space and he wasn't going to go to Houston. LA would have had to offer him what the tax uh, paying mid-level or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's not enough money. So, I, yeah, I think this is just a mistake by Dallas. And if they don't make the playoffs again this year, like, they're done for, in my opinion. Before we poo-poo all over this, there might be some reasoning that Dallas looked at the numbers from last year. He played 20 games in Dallas. Their record wasn't great when him and Luca played together, but he did average 27 points a game. Um, shot 58% from two in those 28 games. So, uh, excuse me, those 20 games. Yuri, how do you see this signing for Curry? Again, Alex, I think it's though the biggest question with this signing as well is do you think he possibly just demanded the Mavericks for this deal anyway? Because Tom absolutely nailed it on the head with the other teams, such as the Lakers, and how much they would have had to give up anyway. And with especially with his value, I think, especially I think with just the number of yes instances he's had anyway, you can't question whatsoever his basketball exploits on the court. It's just the off-court stuffers which has significantly devalued his actual contract status. So I think in that point, Dallas probably did have no option but to hand him that big bag that he was looking for anyway, right? Because back when he was at the Brooklyn Nets and in Don't the last, re-sign him. I think that was the yes, option they had. <laughs> yes, in the Brook with the Brooklyn Nets probably in the last whatever few months of his tenure and Kyrie was demanding for that contract extension. The Nets owner Joe Sy basically just stood his ground and didn't give him that offer. So I think it's though I think Dallas probably fell to his demands because they needed another scorer anyway. But again, if we get to a point where Dallas is sitting, what, an even 500 or maybe three games below 500, then almost the questions have to be raised in a way too about the contract and how much is it actually going to betterment for, especially trying to build around Luca? Because now for what, since Luca's drafted back in 2018 and this is 
I think going to be about like season seven of or season six with Luca being at Dallas. They still haven't been able to build those component pieces of players surrounding Luca that's going to give him every chance of winning a championship, unless somehow the coming season Dallas goes on this crazy run and stuns everyone and sits what 15 games above 500 and what top three in the West and everyone's thinking you ha whatever you pay well the times. only other signing they've yeah. made today Yuri is Seth Curry at eight million dollars over two years with a biennial exception so it's not like they've gone out and made a splash and gone all in they've just made one other signing and I like Seth Curry he's a target on defense kind of like Kyrie Irving kind of like Luka Doncic Doncic excuse me um, can't shoot the hell out of the ball but I, I think your point stands like <laughs> A very confusing team. Um, we're going to move on to Cam Johnson, who re-signs for the Nets. Four years, $108 million. Um, the power forward averaged 15 points a game in 42 games split between Phoenix and uh, after being traded to the Nets last year. Yuri, this time with you, Cam Johnson, 108, four years. Any major thoughts there? I think it's a good signing for Brooklyn because they're looking to build around him and Mikhail Bridges. Both of them are 27 years of age. I think Bridges turns 27 late next month. So, They'll, the Nets will just look to build around those two and Nick Claxton if they offer him a deal as well. So I think, yeah, it's a good signing for Brooklyn because this is a completely new era now and I definitely didn't think they thought, oh, Katie and Kyrie would demand trade requests. And, of course, when they brought James Harden, I thought that big three would be there for whatever, four or five seasons and land the Nets two championships at best. But I think... I think this is the most fascinating part with Brooklyn going into next season is where do they sit amongst the East? Because I think we've seen now that the East is more even than what it has been in seasons gone by. And so I think for what Brooklyn are trying to do under Jack Vaughan, it definitely is in the right path anyway. And of course, they've got those assets anyway in the Durant trade, in the Irving trade. So they can tinker a lot with it and bring in players who – believe they can fit as well within that Brooklyn culture because I think that's what Jack Vaughan had preached when he took over, I think in early November when the Nets fired Steve Nash after that two and five start. He wanted to bring in that team first ethos culture where everyone belongs and everyone feels inclusive. And I think definitely for where Brooklyn wants to build again, and yes, they won't be in that championship contend- contenders at this stage, but it's definitely the right signing. Tom, thoughts on the Nets re-signing Cam Johnson? And then uh, we've got Chris Middleton coming up as well. Yeah, look, when you look at the overall number, $108 million, it's not great. But when you break it down by you know the yearly salary, $27 million, that's a pretty tradable asset. So if it doesn't go, exactly, yeah. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't go great, you can kind of trade that for a few different pieces that you can kind of add up, maybe like a couple $13 million contracts. I, look, I'm not in love with Cameron Johnson. I, I I didn't really think the Suns lost too much when they lost him. Um, he's a good role player. And I don't know, it's just interesting because he's 27. So is he really going to be a part of this next successful Nets team? I don't know. It's the same sort of with Mikel Bridges. They're a bit too old to be sort of like part of the future, but they're not old enough to sort of just move them off and completely you know forget about them for assets. So it'll be interesting to see, but... Look, I think the, the further away that the Nets can get from the whole Durant and Kyrie saga, the better. And if they can just rebuild <laughs> and get this culture better, it's it's the best thing they can do. So you know what? They've got they've got a couple marquee players. They've got them on contracts for the next four years each. So let's see how they go. Milwaukee Bucks re-signed Chris Middleton three years, 102 mil, so took less than he was offered on his max. Tom, we'll start with you. Then Yuri, you're our Bucks expert. You can give us a lowdown. 
Yeah, look, uh, 102 mil. I mean, when he opted out, I think everyone kind of assumed he was just going to resign for a longer deal. Um, 34 million dollars a year, not pretty, but also not that ugly. I mean, they were always going to do it. Chris Middleton's their guy. Um, and look, the biggest concern is his health. I mean, he hasn't been healthy since the 2021 finals, really. Uh, he's almost 22, uh, 32, sorry. Um, and look, I, I don't know. Last year was a bit concerning where it was kind of hit and miss. Um, he was actually all right in that heat series when he needed to be, but he also could carry the team when Giannis was out. Um, but he did, He like, I, I, I preach this all the time. He was so underrated in the finals against um, the Suns. I mean, he averaged 24 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 5.3 assists per game on 44.8% from the field, 356 uh from three and then 88.9% from the free throw line. And he also had a 40 point game and was clutch uh, in, I can't remember which game it was. I think it was game four or yeah, game four. Um, my only concern is I feel like this might be the last uh, time the Bucks sort of run this back with this big three of Giannis, Holiday and Milton. If it doesn't work and they don't make it the conference finals, at least you, with a new coach as well, you kind of think with Giannis's contract expiring soon, you don't think he's ever going to leave, but they might want to roll the dice because they can't keep wasting Giannis's prime. Yeah, Brooke Lopez, still a notable free agent, one of those best available still on the board. Yuri, thoughts on Chris Middleton at, uh, what is it, $34 million a year? Yeah, I thought looking at this as well with his recent injury history, Alex, that it was probably a bit 50-50 in a way. But if he does return to what he produced during those finals and, of course, last, well, two seasons ago before he sp- brained his MCL against Chicago in the opening round series, I think he was in game two, then it's going to help so much because he's an exceptional three-point shooter. He's an exceptional shooter basically from the floor as well in that mid-range, which he loves so much. Also, the rebounding, the facilitating as well. Him and we've spoken countless times on this show, Alex, over the last three and a half months with him and Giannis's pick-and-roll game where they run it from the top and then Giannis runs to the rim and live. Middleton just lobs it up to him. That's where we didn't see much of it last season, of course, because Chris missed the first 20 games due to that wrist surgery, then comes back for a handful of games, misses again, and it was so on, so on, so on. But I think the back end of last season as well, including that first-round playoff series against Miami, Middleton's production significantly increased as well. His rebounds, assists per game, I think it was about 3.9 rebounds, 3.8 assists early on, and that went up to about, I think, point four or 5.1 rebounds and about four assists. And his field goal percentage significantly went up. His three-point percentage went up too. So I think that's probably the positive though, the back end that we saw, the Chris that we saw a couple of seasons before that. And the other part of it as well, I think Alex is him and Giannis came together a decade ago because Middleton was part of that Brandon Jennings trade when Jennings didn't accept I think I can't remember exactly what the deal was that the Bucks offered him. I think it was about four years for forty million, and Detroit gave him a bigger deal. And of course, he was part of that Brandon Knight trade in the summer of two thousand thirteen. So we just let him go on that half. So I think when you now look at what has been done alone, I think it the signing's good enough. That's all I'm going to say. And we just got to move forward. And hopefully, again, what Chris replicated in the second half of last season that. He can do it again. Moving forward from a signing that's good enough, uh, gentlemen, we have two Woj bombs breaking right now at 2.26 Eastern Australian time. I'll read the first one to you, Yuri and Tom. 
All-star guard Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers have agreed to a five-year extension worth up to $260 million. So that's Tyrese Halliburton potentially earning $50 million a year. Um, Wow. Uh, That's my first thought. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's unreal. He's incredible, but uh, $260 million. Um, Tom, your immediate thoughts. I'll give you 10 seconds because there's a second bomb coming right after. I think the Pacers... General Manager or Kevin Pritchard was highly praising of Tyrese Halliburton's production on the court this season for Indiana, and they always said they wanted to re-sign him, but definitely did not expect this such lengthy deal of five years, two hundred and sixty for that, for Indiana to re-sign him to. But he basically averaged twenty and ten last season, and just feels those are no brainer. They want to build around him, and yes, full kudos, right? Because that was a win-win trade we spoke about whatever, a couple months ago with him in the Sabonis deal. So thumbs up. I've got a message my mate Ben, who's the only Pacers fan I know. He's going to love that. 20.7 points a game, 10 and a half assists, shooting 49% from the floor, 40 from three. Thoughts on Halliburton? $260 million, Tom. Yeah, it's a lot. But I, first off, obviously, like with these Woj bombs, you don't know the full details yet. So we just have to wait to see what... No, 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 no. Let's causes. react now. Let's react yeah, now. Right now. But <laughs> it was like a few years ago when Tatum signed his uh, extension. It, was, it started off at about $195 million, I think. But then it went down to 160 because he didn't make All-NBA first team in the second year of that contract or something. So there could be something in this contract. There probably is. where Because I, I think it said it was worth up to 260 yeah. So there's probably a few little clauses in there. But either way, you know, you're Indiana Pacers. Like, you're not going to sign any free agents. Their drafting hasn't exactly been great since, what, Paul George, really? So, honestly, lock this guy up. He's the future of your franchise. He's probably going to be one of the best point guards in the league in five years' time. Uh, Second Woj bomb, which I actually like more than this, is the Memphis Grizzlies have agreed to a five-year, $270 million max contract extension for guard Desmond Bain. I am the president of the Desmond Bain fan club. I love Desmond Bain, and it's not just because he's got huge biceps. I think he's a great basketball player and a great talent to stay in Memphis. Tom, we'll start with you, then back to Yuri. Desmond Bain, $207 million max extension. Yeah, I like it. I mean, similar situation to Indiana. You're not going to really sign too many free agents in Memphis. They've got their core down. I mean, Jar, Jaron Jackson Jr. and now Bain, all on the contract long-term. That new piece, Marcus Smart, I think he's got four more years or three more years on that deal. Yeah. So they're under contract. They're all very tradable assets. I mean, anyone anyone would want Desmond Bain on their team. I mean, Ja Morant, anyone would want the player Ja Morant on their team. The off-court guy, we'll see what happens. But And, and Jaron Jackson Jr., now that it seems like his injury woes are a bit behind him, you'd want any of them. So worst-case scenario, you can trade him. Best-case scenario, you got a big three for the next five, six years. Lock it down in Memphis. Yuri, your thoughts on Desmond Bain? Agree with both of you as well. It is a great re-signing for Memphis and considering by far he's their best three-point shooter as well, his all-round games has significantly improved and I think where Memphis at times lacks three-point shooting, he makes up for it with, I think he shot over 40% last season. So yeah, it was 40.8% from three. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was an absolute no-brainer for Memphis to re-sign and put pen to paper and basically lock up that core because he's only, what, 20... He's 25. Well, not, he turned 25, yeah, 25 six days yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So he's basically entering the prime of his career. And again, they've got all the assets right there and just see where they go from there. So again, another thumbs up. If you don't watch a lot of Memphis Grizzlies basketball, uh, Desmond Bain always scores over 20 points. I think he averages 21 and a half points a game. He is rock solid for them. Uh, he's a career 43% shooter from three too. So 
Uh, Dania shooting from the uh, the arc, but um, I, I love that. So we'll go back to our regularly scheduled programming now. I can't remember if we got to Kyle Kuzma, four years, $102 million with the Wizards. This one surprised me, but thinking about it, um, Washington, now they've got Poole and Kuzma, maybe they're just going to go hero ball between the both of them. I think it's a really great asset for them to have as well if they want to uh, flog that off a little bit later. Tom, thoughts on Kuzma, $102 million. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to sort of James Harden, who we'll talk about a bit later in the show. But Kuzma is a free agent. He wanted a bit of money, but no one really had the cap space to sort of sign him. So it makes sense for him to sort of just go back to Washington, take that $25 million a year contract, and now he's a very tradable asset. Like, look, he, they didn't give him a no-trade clause like they did Bradley Bill because I think they learned from their mistakes. But it, look, he, he's not going to be on the Wizards by deadline. I'd, I'd be surprised if he is because this Washington Washington team isn't trying to win. He's a solid role player. Team, like a lot of teams like Kuzma. A lot of teams want Kuzma. Um, and look, he's I think he's better than a role player. I'll push back a little bit on that. I think he could be a good third option on a championship team. I think his ceiling is a little bit higher than it is now. Last yeah. year, 21.7 rebounds. He, he's solid. Um, I, I push a little bit back on the role player. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. I, I think on a bad team, he can be a number one or number two option. I think on a championship team, third option or a like role-playing sort of fourth, third sort of option, depending on your night. Who's but better, look, him, on, him or Michael Porter Jr.? Who's better? Uh, I, uh, if we're talking about right now, I would take Kuzma, but okay. for the long term, I'm taking Michael Porter Jr. Okay. I think it's an He's interesting got- question that's just popped in. So we'll plug that one yeah. for later in the offseason. We'll go back and forth. Because that, that's I why I, I really love Kuzma. I defend my baby Lakers to the death. Were you were, were you one of those people who about five six years ago was was saying Kuzma was better than Jason Tatum or were, no, no comment? Because no <laughs> I don't know, we might have been getting in a bit of a fight, a bit of beef on Twitter under uh, burner accounts at that stage. Not not sure if that was you or not, but no. Look, I like Kuzma. Uh, it's kind of funny that the the, the future of the Lakers in Carl Kuzma and the future of the Warriors in Jordan Poole are now on the Wizards. Um, but look. I like this deal for both parties because if the Wizards want to have him around as a mentor, great. If they want to trade him easily, like he, he can easily trade a 25 mil contract these days. So I like the deal. Yuri, 15 seconds on Kuzma, then we'll move on to a warrior. I thought he, I thought it was surprising how he did re-sign with the Wizards. I thought he just would have gone to another team elsewhere and maybe Utah Jazz where he did play his collegiate ball at University of Utah would have been a good fit as well, playing him at the three, marking at the four, and Walker Kessler anyway at the center position. And I think Dallas was rumored as well at one point to be in the running for Kuzma as well, considering he's he's actually a good facilitator. He's a good rebounder as well. I think we saw right his rookie season, the Lakers, Alex, where he basically blossomed. I think he averaged, was it 18 points or something like that in his rookie season? It was it was pretty incredible, to say the least, considering what, he was a late first-round draft. Pick. I think he was, he was the, yeah, 16 that first yeah, year, but the sophomore yeah. season, it was almost 19. I've got 18.7 that sophomore year. Yes. In yeah, and I just thought right away, like he was one of the pickups in that 2017 draft. And he was making an impact. And, of course, when LeBron signed with the Lakers, then he basically had to take a backseat anyway because it's LeBron. So I thought, yeah, he probably could have tried it elsewhere, I think, and it's just found a bit peculiar in a way that he decided to re-sign with the Wizards. That's all. We touched on Jordan Poole, his former teammate, Draymond Green, four years, $100 million. Uh, I guess it's a re-signing with the Golden State Warriors. The fourth year of player option for Draymond. So they're really giving the players all the power. Tom, Warriors, Draymond, $100 million. Go for it. Yeah, I, look, 
there was rumors that he was going to, he was talking to the Kings and a few other teams and you know the Mavs were interested. I don't think he was ever going to leave. Uh, locking them, locking him down though for this amount of money could cost them. I mean, Paul's on a lot of big money. Curry's obviously on a lot of big money. Clay Thompson's on a big money, and he's about to be a free agent. So, how are they going to keep them all together, especially on this new CBA? And you got you got Wiggins on the team as well. Um, it, it's kind of crazy. He's got a lot of injury issues, Draymond. I mean, he's hasn't. I, I can't remember the last season he actually had unscathed. Really, probably 2018, 19. Did play seventy three um, games this year. Doesn't yeah, feel like it, but he did. Yeah, doesn't feel like. Yeah, he did this year. Um, and look, so now look, the Warriors have to go all in. It's you know the uh, Bill Simmons was sort of talking about it on his podcast yesterday, sort of being a last dance scenario. And I can kind of buy that because they're all older. But you know, Draymond's thirty three, Curry's thirty four, I think Clay's thirty one or thirty two. What Chris Paul's thirty four, thirty five. Forgot about Chris Paul. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're they're very old, and so you can't look at someone like Kaminga, who they don't trust in the playoffs. He's a ball stopper. He doesn't fit into their sort of like you know free flowing offense. He's a trade asset, and there was rumors they were trying to trade him for a first round pick this year, which I still don't think makes sense. They should be trying to get a ready made player right now, ready to go. Um, so look, I, I don't, I don't love the deal, but I don't hate the deal. And Draymond, Draymond's like, uh, you know, in my opinion, like a, a five times better version of what Marcus Smart was to the Celtics. Like he's the heart and soul of their team. He's their defensive leader, and. Even though Curry is a great playmaker, Draymond's the one who sort of sets the field for them all. And without him, I don't think they win at least two of those titles. I mean, Durant on the team, they were probably winning it even with without Draymond. But the other two, I, they're not winning it without Draymond. Any other thoughts here, or do you largely agree? I think I also agree too in a way because they got rid of Jordan Poole's big four-year, whatever it was, $140 million deal re-signing what, last summer. So I think that option was open anyway to offering Draymond that four-year what, $100 million deal. And I think, okay, Draymond probably won't be the same as what he was saying in his career best season 2015-16 when what, he was at, he averaged like 14.2 points, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it was something like 8-point-something rebounds and 7.2 assists and shot the ball extremely well from the field and I think shot downtown like 34%, which I think is a career high. And, of course, that NBA Finals in 2016 Game 7, which we could go into detail if we want. Are you looking want. at basketball reference or are you being no. a basketball encyclopedia and pulling this no. from Because I no, have a basketball I, reference I, I, open I, and you are spot on. You had the assist slightly 15, off. But yeah, I remember everything 15, else was, 16. yeah. Yeah, because he had a 32 points, 15 rebounds. I think, was it? I can't remember the assist number now. It's this bit out of my head. But, yeah, he had like 20 points in the first half of that game and like five triples. So I think as well, okay, he won't get to those lofty heights again of 15-16. But everything he does, though, Alex and Tom, the facilitating side of things as well, running the fast break, which, of course, he's done that a million times for Golden State. And just those other intangibles of defending the big guys. We saw during, what, a couple of playoff seasons ago when he was defending Nikola Jokic and poked the ball away from him, I think. Denver were down by a couple, two points down slash a possession and he got a deflection, a very important steal. I think that was in game three. And there was another important defensive play out had on Anthony Davis, I think four postseasons before that. But his value is still there though. And yes, he's 33 years of age, but Golden State have never really needed him for scoring. And yes, teams are going to sag five, 10 feet off him when he's behind the arc and allowed him to shoot the ball. But at times, that's also a mistake if Draymond gets at least a couple to go. So, again, 
the core piece of what Golden State wanted to do anyway of keeping him, Curry, Thompson together because Clay's going to demand a big deal anyway. I think he's already said that as it is. So, again, it's almost like the swank song, right? Because for what they've done for basically the past decade, that hasn't been done, of course, since MJ's Bulls with Pippen and Rodman back in the late 90s. And who knows, again, where we'll see this next core group of players for whichever side it may be for the next decade to replicate what they've done. Well, that's all of our $100 million contracts that's gone out so far. I've just refreshed NBA Reddit and Twitter. I don't see any more $200 million contracts. Tom, you can be on the lookout while I talk about uh, Jakob Pertl re-signing with the Raptors. Four years, $80 million. Um, I actually really like this deal for the Raptors. I think everyone wanted him to return. Obviously, started his career drafted in, I want to say, 2016. Um, I've got his stats from last season up. With Toronto, he averaged 13 points, nine rebounds, one and a half blocks, one and a half steals, uh, 65% shooting from the floor. Uh, excuse me, from two. Um, the eye test in Toronto said he had a lot more to give, and he did start to establish a relationship again with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. I'm really happy as a Raptors fan we brought him back. Um, I would like to know if Dennis Schroeder and him have a prior relationship because we're not going to talk about that Dennis Schroeder signing because I, I don't know how to feel, two years, 25 mil. Um, I love this signing for the Raptors. I think it's one of the best value signings for needs in this draft because the Raptors needed a center and a diverse center. Um, Tom, Yuri, any thoughts on Jakob? And then we can move around to see the other 30 uh, contracts I've given out today. Oh, couldn't agree more, Alex, as well. And his, when he did come back to Toronto for the second stint in that February trade, it basically changed the whole defense anyway when he was on the floor. His rebounding numbers too, his rim protection, just everything that he provides to Raptors where they, I think really at times, and we spoke during the regular season where they played Siakam at the five and Siakam's not a true five. They tried... No, it's not. Small ball. <laughs> no, no. So the whole implementation of small ball definitely didn't work. And then once they brought him across, it changed the whole dimensions of Toronto's defensive identity because they've always been a solid defensive team, but it just only further enhanced it. So again, it's another solid signing moving forward as well. And I think, how old is he? 28 now? Turns 29 midway through next season, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, yeah so... No, his, his game where he's gone to from his first stint in Toronto to now, it's basically two completely different players. Uh, Tom, do you want to talk about Jakob Pertl? We've got Herb Jones, Rui Hachimura, Bruce Brown. I don't want to miss out. Uh, floor is yours, mate. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll shift on to Bruce Brown. Uh, if that's NBA right. champion Bruce Brown. <laughs> NBA champion Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown Jr. I didn't realize he was a junior. I, I feel like that would have come up in the finals, but I, I don't yeah. think he did. No, um, I'm learning that for the first time. Yeah, um, when I saw the tweet come up this morning, I was like, oh, I didn't realise he was a junior. But anyway, look, two years, team option on the second year, but $45 million, 22.5 uh, mil a year. Look, to the paces, the we, should, we should say. To the paces, yes, yeah. to the paces. Um, and look, uh, you've got to give him credit. He got the bag. He, he, had, he had such a great playoff series. It would kind of felt like it'd be a waste if he didn't try and secure a bigger deal for at least one year. Um, the only thing, I, I don't love it from the Pacers side of things. Because, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of money for a role player um, who's only had, I mean, in the Nets, he was okay, but he wasn't amazing. Um, and, you know, he had that one good playoff run, obviously, but it's a lot of money for a role player. They're not a contending team. So, I mean, do they, they need a sort of solid role player? I mean, they might make the play-in, but they're not going to be contending for the title. 
Um, and, you know, you've kind of got Halliburton in there who's going to be your point guard for at least a decade, you'd think, especially after giving him this kind of contract. Um, and you, you look around the team, you know, they uh, look, Halliburton, Hield might be going, you'd, you'd think. Um, Matherin, like Nemhard, like Naismith. A lot of guards. Turner. Yeah, there's a lot of guards as well. I just, I don't really think Bruce Brown kind of comes in and elevates them to that next level. And spending a lot of money for him, I don't know. I feel like this might be more of a, the player who just sort of went, I'll come to you guys for the money and paces went, we've got the cap space, man, as well. Or they might have another move up their sleeve and they're, they're trying to get another big name player in. But who knows? But yeah. I'm not a fan of it. I don't think he's a butter healed replacement. Um, Bruce Brown, a career 48%. Um, shooter from the floor, but he's not a great three-point shooter. I think only 35% last year. Yuri, I know you wanted to touch on Bruce Brown. I think it's just more for defensive identity, I believe, as well. Alex, that he did sign with the Pacers and Indiana convinced him to come because that's where the issues lay last season. And when Tyrese went, well, yeah, Halliburton had his injury and Indiana went from like 23-18 in early January and basically felt, I think it was the 35-47 record they finished. So I think just for that side, the defensive identity is the most important part, I think, just for signing alone. And Tom's absolutely spot on. Again, just the guards, they've got so many. It's just almost like a double-decker stack card collection that they have. And again, do they just throw in some of those assets and just look to try and build along the wings and try and get a bit more front court depth. And again, th- those are questions probably moving forward in that regard. All right, lads, we got 15 minutes left. So I'm going to read out a bunch of other uh, signings that happened today and you can write down a couple that interest you or we can talk about the free agents that are still left. So a couple of the contracts we missed, um, Herb Jones re-signs with the Pelicans, four-year, $54 million. I love that for the Pels. Rui Hachimura, three years, 51 mil. I think that's somewhat fair. Uh, Kobe White, Bulls, 33 mil for three years. Gabe Vincent to the Lakers, uh, $33 million, three years. I thought the Lakers got a bit of a deal there. I think Miami offered him more money, but over more years. Uh, Karis Levert, two years, 32 mil to the Cavs. George Niang, uh, 26 mil, three years to the Cavs. Dennis Schroeder, we talked about. Joe Ingles, surprisingly, to the Magic, two years, $22 million. Maybe they need a bit of a vet presence. He still was a threat from outside last year. Javon Carter, Bulls, three years, 20 mil. Trey Jones, Spurs, two years, 20 mil. Trey Lyles to the Kings, two years, 12 mil. Reggie Jackson, Nuggets, two years. Shake Milton, Timberwolves, two years. Um, Victor Oladipo got traded just quickly to the Thunder. Um, I'm not really sure what for. That kind of happened before we pressed recording, and I don't know if anyone knows what he got traded for. Uh, it was Nikhil- just uh, draft, draft capital, I think. Okay. And, uh, TPE, I think. So nothing, nothing going back to the Poor heat. Vic. Uh, <laughs> Seth Curry, two years to the Mavs at about eight mil with that um, biannual exception we talked about. Shake Milton, um, two years to the Timberwolves, if I didn't say him already. Then everyone else is just kind of some small stuff. Derek Rose went to the Grizzlies, two years, 6.5 mil. Uh, Torian Prince to the Lakers on a one-year, $4 million deal. Kevin Love, two years, 3.7 mil, re-signed with the Heat. O'Shea Brissett, the Celtics, two years. Player option, second year. Tom, I don't know how you feel about that. And then nothing else really interesting. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is in the middle of re-signing with the Raptors, but as of this point, nothing. Cam Reddish to the Lakers, two years on a flyer. Um, Utah Watanabe to the Suns, Josh Okogi to the Suns, Drew Eubanks to the Suns, Damian Lee to the Suns, Chimezi Metu to the Suns. Lots of minimum contracts there. I think that's all they can afford. Tom, you pick anything there interesting. 
Uh, I, I really like what the Lakers have done. Pains me to say that as a Celtics fan. <laughs> I just, I, I, I think it's it's sort of been uh, what last five months that they've sort of been building this out, and it hasn't been a we're going to try and fix this overnight. And I think they were a bit surprised that they made it to the conference finals last year with what they did, but they did. And so they went, all right, let's try and run this back, but let's also add a few shooters around. For starters, smartest things they've done is let Dennis Schroeder go. Like, you know, he's an all right player, but, you know, you'll, you'll see in Toronto, he's not going to, he's not a championship player. Um, Troy Brown going, like, not a big loss. And then just saying not, nothing to do with you, Kyrie Irving. That's probably the best decision they'll make in the franchise. Um, history for the last like what ten years, and then Gabe Vincent thirty three million uh, over three years. Look over the playoffs, he averaged twelve point seven points per game, three point five assists per game, forty uh, percent from the field, thirty seven point eight percent from three. And look, yeah, he did get hot, but you have to assume with LeBron, he's going to be getting open looks, and Jimmy was getting him great looks, and he was hitting them. So I love that signing, Prince. I like thirty eight percent from three. Can't complain about that. Hachimura, $17 million uh, a year on average, so he can be traded if they need to. But he had a great playoff series. You can't mm. really fault them for bringing him back. Um, and I just – I really like the way they're constructed. Only issue is Davis and LeBron have to be healthy. They haven't been healthy since they like since they won the title. Neither of them have been able to stay healthy for a whole year. We say this every time we talk about the Lakers. So let's see. I don't hold too high hopes for their health-wise, but come playoffs, if they're healthy, I can definitely see them making a, a run at the title. Interesting. Yuri, do you want to talk about any of those I quickly read out or do you want to pivot and have a look at the free agents that are still available? Oh, absolutely, Alex. I love the Derek Rose signing to Memphis. I think just for that extra veteran presence as well. And sadly enough, wasn't it by December, I'm pretty sure, last season as well, where Derek was basically... DMP for the rest of the season and he got that opportunity. I think it was in game three, if I'm not mistaken, that first round against the Cleveland Cavaliers where he came on and he got a rousing ovation from the Madison Square Garden crowd, which was just fantastic to see because mm. he's still got something left in the tank, Alex. He's only 35. Yes, that may seem old in sporting terms, but for what Memphis are trying to continuing to establish as a franchise and after being ousted in the first round, he can deliver all those wise wisdom of words and basketball IQ on the floor to help a jar because that's the big thing because jar's basically the version of what a young D Rose was back in his prime when he won was the youngest ever MVP, which he won back in 2011, the age of 22. So he's got so much to offer still. And I think that's going to help coach Taylor Jenkins. It's going to help the coaching staff. He's going to see things on the floor, which they could probably improve upon. He can, basically lead that second unit and just orchestrate what they want to get because I think it's just it's great for him because he's been through so much and we we know exactly what he's been through that torn ACL and the dying moments of the first round series against the Philadelphia 76ers which coach Tom Thibodeau was criticized at the time for leaving his starters on the floor and of course I think I think it was a game against Portland the 2013-14 season their trip out west in late November he does another knee injury and misses the rest of the season. You're making me it's sad, just, Yuri. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just yeah, it's just been injury after injury. But I think something with Derek over the course of his career that he's always been able to bounce back through adversity no matter what. And I think again for the Grizzlies franchise, it's just a great signing. That's what I believe as well. Because 
is just going to offer all those things that they're looking for because they're a young group, right? They're one of the youngest in the league and to have a wise head such as Rose, I think it's, it's a tremendous signing for mine. Tom, uh, we still have a, a couple guys available, including James Harden. He did opt into that massive uh, player option he had in Philadelphia. So he's not technically a free agent, but there has been a lot of buzzing about him wanting out. Uh, do you want to start with him or any of the other free agents we've still got on the board? Yeah, no, let's let's have the Harden conversation because it was it was big big was big news yesterday when he opted in and then it sort of just goes underneath, oh, but he wants to trade, he wants out. So the real reason, like let's be real, the only reason he opted in was because he doesn't want to play for pennies and no genuine contending team had the money to sign him. I think Houston pulled off on him. Apparently he cooled off on Houston after Jalen Green said he wasn't so keen on Harden coming back. And look, this is his third trade demand since 2021. He's injury prone. He's a playoff choker. Teams just seem to get worse when he joins. He's soon to be 34 years old. So a couple of teams that have been floated, Clippers, Knicks, Heat. I mean, Knicks would have to trade sort of RJ Barrett, Evan Fournier, first round pick. Clippers would have to trade Powell, Zubach, Mann, 2028, first round pick. Heat. Probably have to trade Hero, Martin, 2028 first round pick. I mean, I had Oladipo in that trade as well to match the salaries, but obviously that's not going to work anymore. Um, Bulls could just straight up swap Zach Levine. Like Zach Levine. Um, but as Daryl Moyes. thing, actually. Yeah, we'll come back yeah, to that. Keep going. One. Yeah. But I mean, as Daryl Moyes always done, he holds out for the best value. But Harden only has one year left on his contract. Joel Embiid is 29 in his prime. You can't kind of just be like, oh, well, we waited with Simmons, wasted a year. Let's just wait another year with Harden, waste a year. I feel like he doesn't have as much leverage this time. But I think what this really begs the question is, what are the 76ers actually going to do? Because they've tried all these different pieces with Embiid. None have seemed to work. They haven't gotten past the second round. No one's really seeming like too enthralled to go to uh, Philly at the moment. And sure, they'll have cap space once Harris and Harden are off the books and they've sort of delayed that maxi deal, which was reported today, so they could manoeuvre the cap space a bit. But the free agents coming up aren't great. And, I mean, even if we saw today, if you look at the free agents, it's not like any of them are actually title-changing moves. Like, I don't think... I think most places, for some reason, have the Celtics as the favourite. I have the net Denver as the favourite. That hasn't changed for me based off these free agents. And so I think the Sixers should... You know, as much as I dislike Philadelphia and I'd love to see this happen, but I think they should blow it up because they just can't get it right. And Bede's 29 and his value is sky high. And this is what I think they should do. And I'll, I'll lay out my case and I'll let you guys decide if uh, who says no or if you know, I'm just insane here. But I think a trade like this could, could look like this with the Thunder. You get, you get Chet Holmgren, Lou Dort, Kendrick Williams. Then you go 2024, Houston uh, first round pick. 2024 Utah first round pick, 2025 Houston or the Clippers first round pick, 2025 Philly get their pick back that they'd already traded to them uh, with the Al Horford trade, I believe. 2026 Clippers round one pick, 2026 Houston round one pick. So you're getting six first round picks and you give up in bead. So why the Thunder would do this is you get an MVP player in their prime to go with SGA, Giddy, Jalen Williams. You still have plenty of bench depth. And you're immediately a contender. If you have that team, Thunder, you know, they're probably not going to be top of the West, but you're going to think they're going to be at least in the top three, four, and they're going to be fighting. Plus also getting to see Embiid and Jokic go head-to-head several times is great. Why the 76ers do it, they sell high on Embiid. You know, they get six first-round picks. 
And three to four of those picks are possible lottery picks. It's not like the Suns where they traded four picks that are probably going to be end back end of the draft. These are going to be picks that could end up going in the top five and they get their own one back while they're tanking and they'll still have all, like a few of their own picks. So they're going to get a lot of high picks in. It, you know, they won't sell low. And then if Harden, um, if Harden does leave, which we think he will, Embiid could just request a trade as well. And then all of a sudden teams will just lowball and go, well, he wants to go. Apparently the Knicks are quite heavily invested in trying to get Embiid and they have for a few years and his management group is there's some uh, relevance there in the Knicks back room. And then look, in this trade, you get Chet and you just go Maxi and Chet as your, your main guys and draft picks. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I think that's a great way to reset at the moment if this if they do decide to blow it up. GM in Philly is Daryl Morey, and Daryl Morey just wants two stars and doesn't have any patience for the rebuild. I love that trade proposal, Tom. That is classic, too much on the trade machine. I love it. I think the Thunder would do that, giving away six picks and Chet Holmgren, who was number two last year. Um, I don't see a world where Philly do that unless they get giddy back, and I don't think that's happening. Uh, Yuri, there's a lot to say on that one. Your thoughts? I think that would be a good one too. But the other part of it as well, Alex and Tom, is James Harden basically took less money to bring across PJ Tucker and Daniel House Jr., whom he played with at Houston. So sort of figuring that out was a little bit – it's sort of weird at first, right, that he would take a pay cut and Philly would contend once more with him and Embiid and now basically he's opting – he's opted in and he's going to basically – demanded trade request. It would be strange, right, if he goes to New York Knicks and he's playing under Tom Thibodeau. Tibbs is barking in his ear about, play defense, James, play defense. <laughs> you imagine that? Just barking in his ear, James, play happening. defense. No, he, he wouldn't listen to Tibbs' orders. That that would be my worry if he did decide to go to New York Knicks, Knicks because Tibbs would not accept that one bar bit whatsoever, just slouching on defense. He'd, he'd be immediately taken off the game and benched for the rest of the quarter. So, I don't see that side happening in a way. The Clippers is the other interesting one because Jack Brophy too mentioned this on the chat earlier this morning about the Clippers being a team rumoured to go after James Harden and where he fits amongst Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. He's from LA, yeah. Yes, he is from LA too. I think I think Compton, if I'm not mistaken, where James Harden's from. So, yeah, that'd be another fit too. But, again... Oh, it's it's so tricky in a way because... Can I almost, talk out loud yeah, about that Chicago sure. idea? Because I, I think Chicago does that and I think Philly does that. If if Arturis Karnaschovas and the Chicago front office are deciding, okay, we're giving up on our experiment, which they should have done 12 months ago, um, but, you know, they might decide not to. They get one year of Harden at 38 mil, so they get that 38 mil off the books um, and then they can decide to do whatever they want with DeMar DeRozan. There's a market for him because he was incredible last year. Zach Levine to Philly, I think that works pretty well. He's been improving on defense, but he's a killer in the lane. He can shoot it from anywhere. I think Philly do that deal. And I, if I'm Chicago, I do that deal to get off that money. I think that's a really interesting framework. And I am kicking myself I didn't think of that first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, we've got to wrap up really shortly. These are the free agents still available. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook, Dylan Brooks, Brooke Lopez, Christian Wood, and we've got restricted free agents in Grant Williams, PJ Washington, and Austin Reeves from LA. Um, one prediction from each of you, and then we'll wrap up for today. Tom, we'll start with you, then Yuri will end with you. Yep. Oh, 
I reckon Brooke Lopez is not going to return to the Bucks, and he's okay. going to go for a bit more money. Okay, Yuri. I uh, just about the Austin Reyes one too. I think there's a potential deal in the works with him to stay at the Lakers for four years, fifty-two million. That was reported, I think, a couple of hours ago. So they're yeah, and that's the closer. most they could have offered him. So he's because he's got this weird restricted free agency thing that I don't think I quite understand because he's undrafted. Mm. Um, they could only offer him four years, fifty-two mil or whatever it is, but they can uh, 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 whatever it is, they can match any offer. His max is like at one hundred and three million dollars. So um, if no one comes over the top and offers him uh, money, he'll end up back with the Lakers. I think there's a lot of teams that could use Austin Reeves. I mean, Philly's one of them. Um, San Antonio's got some money. Anyway, but uh, I think I'm just looking at that list going, where does Dylan Brooks end up? Uh, Where does Grant Williams end up? No idea. D'Angelo Russell, uh, Guangdong Tigers. I've got no idea. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Who could use D'Angelo Russell? And he's not a bad player. Uh, baby Laker, I'm trying to stand up for him. I just I can't really think about where he, he fits at the moment. So apologies, D'Lo fans. I hope that Russ stays with the Clippers as well, Alex. That's my other thing too, what he did for I think his last 25 games. Yeah, last 24, 25 yeah. games. And especially that first round series against Phoenix. And we spoke about his game one performance. Yes, he only shot three of 19, and but had that important deflection of Devin Booker to win the game for the Clippers. So I think he doesn't, he know he now knows Alex and whatever it's been counted for the last couple of seasons. He doesn't have to be the number one option, yanking down triple doubles, game in, game out. So I think, yeah, he's probably comes out realization now, of course, with a healthy Kawhi and PG back that they can at least run it one more time because that's where the whole plan that the Clippers envisioned under owner Steve Barmer when they both re-signed Leonard and George in the summer 2019 was to contend for championships. So I guess we'll find out right this coming season. I was just a, together. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see anything in the tea leaves that's going to make us do an emergency podcast in the next couple of days. Um, I really... It's been a bit of a bummer. This incoming CBA, we've talked about it before, um, is kind of restricted and made some teams freak out. So really fun day one of free agency for the 2023-2024 season. Um, I'm really glad I got to talk with it with both you, uh, Yuri and Tom. You can catch us back here next week if we don't have an emergency podcast. You can catch us at Mojo Sports Network on Instagram, all of our socials and stuff are linked in the uh, the show notes wherever you're listening. Tom, Yuri, any last thoughts? Uh, Thanks heaps, guys. Oh, just looking forward to the rest of free agency, Alex. This is always the most exciting time. I think we talk about it with all different sports, but especially with the signings and some of the unexpected ones too. So just can't wait to keep chatting about it. Tom, you get the last word. Oh, geez, that's a lot of, a lot of pressure. Ah, uh, Don't overpay for James Harden to trade. He won't help you win. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you later. <laughs> See Thank you, Alex.